In today's show, we're doing another ADP battle, this time with Jared Johnson from NBC Sports Edge. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Time for another ADP battle. But remember, when I'm doing these ADP battles, you know, no one has all the answers. I, I don't have all the answers. So when people come on, so this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. How dare this happen? The, the idea is for us to chat about the way that people value players differently. I have these guys on and choose we choose these particular players because we have disagreements on them. And that's part of the, the, the fun of it. But I'm not going to hit you know, five out of five correct on who's the better player out of all these guys. It's just not going to happen. And even when we do today's one with Jared, there are some that he'll be uh, he'll be right and some that, that I'll be right on for sure. But it's just giving you different perspectives and it gives you an idea, well, maybe this could happen and maybe this could happen. And, and yeah, because nothing's 100% certainty when we're talking about all this. But enough of that. Let's get Jared in, bring him in, and get uh, get ready to go. All right, so now let's bring him in, the man who uh, I think would love to be known as Gary Trent Sr. It is, of course, <laughs> Jared Johnson from NBC Sports Edge. Jared, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Good to be back. All right, so people know what we're doing with these. You know what we're doing with these. We're picking two players. We're debating them. I'm throwing a random number out there. It doesn't always mean that this player is always going to be available at this spot, but it's more like when we see discrepancies in the way that we value players, it's a good starting point for us to have those discussions about yeah, the, the, where those players sit and, and why we think certain things may happen this season. So let's get stuck straight into the first one, Jared. Pick number 22. Now, this guy, Jalen Brown, actually featured on my show yesterday. I can't remember if it was with Dan or with Alex. Regardless, we spoke about him yesterday, and I was on the four side for Jalen Brown. But you're here. You're going early. Pick 22. Jalen Brown's on the board. Bam Adebayo is on the board. And you're taking Jalen. Why? Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to totally say that it's exactly pick 22. I did get him in the third round of the draft that we just did. But I am quite high on this guy, and I do believe that he can have a season where he might even outperform that draft position. So let's get right into it. Brown has shown statistical progression every year he's been in the league. And he had some brilliant performances last season, twice scoring 30-plus points in under 30 minutes, sitting out the entire fourth quarter for both of those showings. Very Steph Curry-esque, if I might throw in that comparison for absolutely no reason. Uh, He scored a career-high 42 points within a one-month span and also had a game where he knocked down 10 triples, which was a fairly impressive feat for a guy who came into the league shooting just 34.3% from distance. And he knocked down an elite 39.7% of his long balls on a career-high 7.1 attempts per game last year. That's nothing to shrug at. Now, his free throws used to be a bit of a weak point, but he shot a much improved 76.4% on 4.3 attempts last season, and I'd expect him to continue that upward trajectory. It has consistently gone up every year he's been in the league. 
And he's just now scratching the surface of his NBA prime as he enters his age 25 season. And swapping out Kemba Walker for Marcus Smart, I would suspect would lead to more playmaking and scoring opportunities for the wing. Now, Jalen isn't the kind of player who needs a monster usage to produce elite numbers, but I would anticipate him creeping into the 30s this season with Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker no longer around. He saw roughly a three-point bump in usage with those two off the floor last year, so I'm anticipating more shots and playmaking opportunities coming his way in year six. Now, I will grant you that he has somewhat of a checkered injury history over the past couple years, um, but I think it's worth noting, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe um, the injuries the past couple years have been unrelated upper body issues. Um, so that doesn't give me too much pause. And through his first three years in the league, he was very healthy, very reliable. Um, he's already played in a preseason game, and he looked fantastic. He has recovered from the wrist surgery. I expect this man, Jalen Brown, to take yet another leap in his age 25 season. That's all well and good. And... Yeah, most of them, well, not most, all those points are correct. I'm not worried at all about injuries with Jalen Brown. That's not something that worries me. I was you know, marginally concerned about the wrist injury heading into the year, but as you said, he played, he's fine. There's, there's no there's no worries there. He, he's all good to go. My, I guess my concern is, and, and I was for Jalen Brown in the show we did the other day because someone was way off on him. And I said, no, no, no. Like, to me, he's this really strong second, uh, sorry, early third sort of player to me, um, yeah, maybe mid-third round. Um, but my worry with him is I'm not sure. You say there might be more playmaking opportunities. I don't actually know whether he's got that in his game, but you are right that he's been able to make improvements at every year in his career. I'm, I think that you know, Smart, Tatum, and, and Schroeder will take on that playmaking role, and Jalen will sort of sit where he where he is. He's not a high defensive stats guy, and while he has improved his percentages, they're not elite percentages. We're not talking you know, 51 and 84. It's like right on average 48, 78, which is still fine, but it's not a boost, and maybe that does improve. And I can... I can I can easily see Jalen pushing into that you know, top 25, top 27 type area. I guess my thing is that with Bam, I just would have Bam over him. Now, I have stated on this show plenty of times that I am a little worried about Bam Adebayo and the assists, which was so strong for him because yep. when you go from Kendrick Nunn, the worst passing point guard in the NBA, to, to Kyle Lowry, a really, really good one. And we've Kyle Lowry, I think, leads the NBA in assist percentage through the preseason. Um and you're not going to say, well, let's prioritize Bam Adebayo running an offense over Kyle Lowry. That's just not going to happen. So he's going to fall back. And people are, some people are reaching, Jared, for Bam and go, I'm taking him at pick 13. Okay, that's insanity to me. There's no way that I would want to do that. Okay, so I'm further down on Bam. But when I saw how much further down you were on Bam, I had to put him into this discussion. So I guess you're agreeing with me with those areas of concern for Bam. You're just probably amplifying them a little bit more. Yeah, I I hate situational changes yep. in the NBA. I it's just it, it freaks me out. Once it happens, I just way down the draft board. Um, basically, once Rick Carlisle was installed as Indiana's oh, yeah. head coach, I'm off all those guys. I I, I don't like it. Uh, this all stems from <laughs> a very bad experience I had with Buddy Heald. We saw once he shifted from. Um, Jorger as his head coach to Luke Walton over the past year, two years. Luke Walton has done his best to try to destroy Buddy Heald's career. And it's not the coaching change that we're seeing, but there's a lot of moving pieces we're seeing. Um, I don't know. 
Bam is very reliable. I love that he's reliable, but he's also he's eh. he hasn't been to this point in his career where he's like a guy who's gonna just win you a category. Yep. He'll be very good at a lot of things. He won't hurt you anywhere, but I don't see him being the type of player that's gonna win me something. Whereas I do see that with Jalen. Yeah, Jalen's yeah twenty five points per game. He's is elite type territory. Bam's best category is probably he's going to be his field goal percentage, and he's going to be really strong in a number of areas. He's not a big shot blocker, but he'll get some steals, he get some assists, he scores, he rebounds a bit. You know, his free throws have improved a little bit. And you're right. So there's more of that steadiness there with Bam versus you know, Jalen giving you these big threes and big scoring and you know solid rebounding for a guard as well. So I, I can understand the argument. I still would take Bam. Um, ahead of Jalen, again, getting some uh, really quality centers can be tough because there's just not that many of them in the NBA, whereas you can get some wing contributors later. But the difference there, I guess, is finding high-scoring players is not that easy later on. So Jalen gets a boost there. Let's go on to the the next one, um, just one second. But if you are looking to start a new fantasy league and you've got people who aren't necessarily fantasy experts and they're coming from fantasy football, maybe Sleeper is the app that you need to try. They only do points leagues. And they only use their exclusive game pick format where you choose one game per week for each of the players. But someone coming from a fantasy football background, I want to get as many people playing fantasy basketball as possible. So whoever you can get people in, get them in. The sleeper app, really easy to use. The draft interface is very nice as well. Third round reversal, dynasty leagues, all of that stuff is available. So get your friends together, start a league and try it on sleeper and see how it goes. Jared, let's go on to the next one. I don't know what one I've got listed next. It is, oh, there we go. Pick number 30. Now it is, I said that you'd love to be called um, Gary Trent Sr. Maybe you'd like to be called, I don't know, I don't know, Mr. Clint Capella. I'm not, I'm not sure where it is, but here we are. Pick number 30, Clint Capella versus Julius Randle. And much like Bam Adebayo, Julius Randle comes into a season where other players and ball handlers are joining him. And I think that is going to cut down some of his production because he was factoring really as the high usage point guard as a power forward last season. And people people know exactly what I'm going to say here, Jared, but you haven't heard me say it, but I'll say it now anyway. When you upgrade from Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock to Kemba Walker and Yvonne Fournier, there's a really big difference in where those shots get distributed. So Randall's not going to take every one of those shots while Alfred Payton's out there and he's looking at Alfred and go, you dare fucking shoot it, mate. You can get off the court. <laughs> where if Kemba's out there, it's like, all right, I'm, I might let you have a crack at it. So that is going to cut down yeah. some of that production. Now you are massive into Clint Capella. Let me, before you give me your reasoning as to why you know, Clint Capella is your favorite player in the NBA, how worried are you that for the second consecutive year, it doesn't look like he's going to play in the preseason because of an Achilles problem? Wasn't an issue last year. It wasn't, but does it not does it not worry that it has cropped up again? No. Right. I mean, he, it's Fair just enough. like <laughs> he's. Uh, I think it even happened maybe previous the previous season. Well, that was the where year it was he, an issue. No, yeah, that's where he missed that time with that heel problem mm-hmm. down the last two three months of the year, or whatever it was. I mean, I, I just feel like the Hawks are using this as an excuse to not play him in the preseason. That's what I feel like it is. Why? Why but, they uh, keep? Why hey, they keep if, him if out, you're though? right. It, why him and like they're putting like Hunter played, um, yeah, and he's coming back from you know, multiple knee surgeries. So why are they being extra cautious with Capella? I think there's got to be something there for it to be the same thing three years in a row. And you're right, it didn't impact him really at all last season. But it just gives me a level of like, oh, I'm a bit concerned about it. Um, that at any point there could be something that that swells up. It looks like it's a recurring issue of, of some sort of swelling. They're not the the catastrophic Achilles tear, but there's just a little concern I have with it. I mean, that's fair. 
I, I think you can kind of point out these little minor injuries with almost anyone. Yeah, that's true. Um, but the reality is that it just wasn't a factor last year, and it's. Uh, I, I'm very confident in who he is as a player. So would you like me to give my pro-Capella arguments first or my anti-Randall arguments I reckon your anti-Randall ones will be probably similar to mine. So give me your Capella ones first. Cool. Um, this guy, ha- like how many guys in the league can realistically give you a 2022 line? Yeah, there's not there's not many. Davis, maybe yeah, maybe like maybe three. maybe Embiid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, la- last year there was three players who did it: okay. Capella, Gobert, and JV. There you go. Uh, and and I don't I I I'm skeptical of JV being able to replicate the production that he did in Memphis. Um, so that takes one more guy off the board. Uh, just the thing about Capella is is he's really giving you a stat set that literally. One other guy can do. I mean, AD comes back, has a good year, AD. Yep. Uh, but the thing with Capella is you can get him in round four, maybe five. Yep. Yeah. And he is cool. a player who for the past three years has consistently been a top five, top 25 player on a per game basis. We know exactly who he is. He's going to give you really good field goal percentage. He doesn't take enough free throws to truly tank your free throw percentage. He's going to gobble up those rebounds, and he has the ability to give you elite shot blocking numbers. And again, it's just like there's only a handful of players in the league that can do this. So if you were to go in your draft and you took Gobert and Capella, you're taking three categories away from the rest of the league. You're taking field goal percentage, rebounds, and blocks. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not even sure that free throws are that big of an issue. I think you can make it up. If you, uh, if you put um, Gobert and Capella together, you, you're, you're done. You can't come back from that. Those because those two have they, they that's don't fine. Have, that's like that's over, fine. That's Ten free throws. That's a game, fine. Sixty percent. I'll give you that. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, he's been the top five in block shots per game uh, last year, and just one of four players to average two swats per contest. Uh, we all know that that is the rarest category in fantasy hoops. And it, I, I just know exactly who he is. His situation isn't really changing. He's, done, he's been a top 25 guy on two different teams. His game is that he goes in there, he plays defense, he gets putbacks, he grabs boards. They don't run plays for him. Um, so I'm, I'm not concerned about who he's going to be. The, the only thing you could knock him for is the potential of an injury, and that's just not something that particularly concerns me. I, I like Capella a, a lot as a player. I think he's really, I think he's you know, a top three defensive center in the NBA, really. Like, I think he's excellent on that end. Let me throw a couple of things at you with him. Um, this is a positive. He played 30 minutes a game only last season. Um, and that's, yeah, maybe that can go up, especially with a Kongwu up, although Gorgie Jeng's a really capable backup center. And then, of course, John Collins will play minutes there. But, Jared, he had a career high in block shots last season. He had a career high in rebounds last season. He had a career high in usage last season. It was at 20% his usage. And you say they don't run plays for him. Getting 20% without running plays is odd. And they were a team. They were a team that had, um, yeah, multiple players injured throughout the year, who were guys that are going to get a lot more shots. Hunter missed mm-hmm. half the season. Bogdanovich missed half the season. Reddish missed more than half of the season. And while they don't play the same position, I just think if Capella pushes back, because the year prior he was at what sixteen usage and then eighteen usage, yeah, if he's back 
that two percentage points off. That means his scoring comes from 15 down to 14, perhaps. That drops it off a little bit there. And these are all just minor things. But if that rebounding isn't at that career level where it was, because it was actually at an astonishing level compared to where he'd been in the past. Like he went from his career best 15 per 36 to 17. Like that is a gigantic leap. And if that, it's what I always talk about. When people put up these gigantic numbers, they can still come down from being unbelievable to really, really good. And it, and it might, but it might hurt their numbers. If he comes from 17 per 36 to 16, it's still really good. But it is, a, it is a decent chunk. It's like a 5%, 7% reduction in those rebound numbers. And all if when someone hits multiple career highs in one season, I think, well, can that maintain? Does it go up or is it likely to drop off a bit? And that that's sort of where I'm viewing that. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with taking him even higher than that his ADP is. I just think there are a couple of things there for me to look at that might be the concern. Um, in terms of the Randall stuff, in terms of what I said about those additions is that sort of your issue with how he drops off from where he was last year uh you pretty much nailed it i'll i can go i just want to hit a quick point i'm not drafting capella for points i mean it's fine if that's if true. he gets a couple less shots a game that's that's not it's fine with me and and we've seen him even if his minutes dip we've seen this guy become um even with like 28 minutes he's still a, a an elite player i think maybe he dropped down to to top 35 ish that year but he's been really good for three years different teams different situations i'm just confident in his abilities um randall uh he shot 41.1 percent from distance last year this is something that only 11 players did uh, accounting for at least 30 minutes and five attempts. And he ranked inside the top 10 above guys like Paul George and Norman Powell. Uh, 41.1%. You want to talk about exponential leaps. Oh, yeah, there's no way he does it again. I, I, I he shot 27.7% last year. Okay, you're going to accept that. Yep. Uh, I also um, think his free throws couldn't drop off as well because they took a gigantic step forward too. That was my next point. <laughs> so you nailed that. And you kind of touched on it. But I would like to also say with no respect to Alfred Payton, I think that Kemba Walker is quite the improved point guard. And you're also adding Evan Fournier. Can he average six assists again? Because that nope. was double his career average. Yes, no way. And that was a huge part of the reason he jumped. Um, as high as he did in the rankings because those six assists were important. Um, so if Randall looks more like the 2019-20 version of himself, which if you look at the numbers, it's not a dramatic drop-off. It's mostly just efficiency. Um, then you run the risk of drafting a ninth-round player in round three. Now, I know who Capella is, and I'm not worried about him. I'm just not sure I can say the same thing about Randall as good as he was last year. All those points are correct. I don't think he averages the same assists, field goal percentage. Three, Actually, his two-point percentage was so hor horrific that maybe his field goal percentage actually stays the same as his three-pointers drop and his two-pointers rise. But I think his free throws and three-pointers and assists can all drop this year. Uh, I just think that, again, getting some bulk scoring is quite valuable. But that, that can depend on what you're looking at on your team as well because you know, Capella's providing value in those different areas. But let's move on to the next one. This is a, a battle of the teammates. We are looking in that mid-50s zone in a lot of cases, especially if you're, say, drafting with Jonas. Some of these guys may not be available at pick 56 or you're drafting with other people. But this is a really interesting one to me. Jaron Jackson Jr. or Ja Morant? 
Now, I am taking Jaron Jackson there over Ja Morant. I think Ja Morant in a category league is ridiculously overrated. In fact, I believe his ADP is even higher than this for a guy that was not, is at 41. Like he was not a top 100 player last season. He was not remotely close to a top 100 player last season. Jaron Jackson, despite playing limited minutes, was well ahead in rankings um, uh, versus Jar. Like he played 23 minutes a game, Jaron, and he was 77th last year. So why are you, ex- well, what are you expecting Jar to do that is going to leap him up? I expect him to improve a lot. But to him, for him to be like an eighty-spot ranking improvement is pretty hard for me to swallow. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna kind of. I just think that when we're talking about Ja Morant, a guy who's ranked in the top ten in assists, and assists is the second rarest category in fantasy hoops. Uh, he's ranked in the top ten both yep, of his years valuable. in the league. I just think that we are massively undervaluing assists when we're saying he's not a top one hundred player when he's giving you those kinds oh. of assist numbers. Oh, I agree with um, that. He's been phenomenal in the preseason. Preseason comes with an asterisk. Um, and uh, his warts just, I think, are overblown. People will bring up the turnovers. I don't think oh, I have to make this argument to you, yep. but turnovers are bullshit, yep. especially when you're in the top 10 in assists. Um, so let's skip over that. Um, with John ja Morant, I really do think that this could be a 2010 guy this season. And if he's a 2010 guy and he just adds, man, 1.2 steals, he's been at 0.9 for the past two years. If he just marginally gets an uptick there, if he gives a marginal uptick in his free throw shooting, which has looked better in preseason Uh, games that I've seen. Um, then, then we are looking at a at a top fifty player. In my opinion, I I mean, if he if the ranks tell us he's somewhere else, but this is a this is a point guard who's going to give me twenty plus points a games, uh, uh, close to around ten assists, uh, and you throw in maybe a steal. I am fine with that. If I take him in the fourth or fifth round, and you're a twenty ten guy, cool. So I just think that's where the rankings are, are are off. Now, I think the the key point here with who are we, we are debating, John ja Morant versus Captain Injury. John ja Morant missed six games his rookie year. Last season, he got diagnosed with a grade two ankle sprain. And he was expected to miss three to five weeks. He missed two. And he only missed a span of eight games. And once he came back from that, he didn't miss another game until the second to last game of the year, which was a back-to-back set. He's objectively reliable. And I think you can say the exact opposite about JJJ. Um, I would say that Ja Ja Morant had the same meniscus knee injury that Jaron Jackson had. He just happened to have it after his college season and before his rookie year. And that's what that's. Well, I think what happened with Jaron Jackson is discounting him a lot, and that's not his fault. He had a knee injury, and the Grizzlies fucked us over. We just kept hearing these reports. Uh, look, middle of January, he'll be back, and they never told us what. If they had said, "Look, you are having a meniscus surgery that is taking six months," we would have said, "Oh, that's fine." But everyone's like, "Man, why is this guy taking so long to heal? Why is he taking so long to come back? Yeah, why are we putting out these cryptic things? Like no one just ever mentioned anything about it." Where if you have that meniscus um, uh, 
uh, repair surgery, which is what apparently he had, it is a six to seven month recovery period. If they had just said, he's having a meniscus repair, we'll see you in April. Everyone would have said, oh, that's shit, but oh, well, fine. But it's like, he's having some sort of surgery. We just don't know when he's coming back. And now it's January or maybe it's April. Maybe what's coming soon. It's February. Maybe it's March. We just didn't know. And it made it seem like this guy, look, what's wrong with this guy? It's consistently happening. Whereas if we had just known straight away, we'd say, all right, that's shit, but it's one knee injury. And if we had had a proper reporting and timeline on it. And the Grizzlies have done this. Remember, they did it multiple times with Mike Conley. Yes. And he's like, oh, he's got a sore heel. Yeah, the guy's Achilles was rooted. Like, and then we hear, heard it with Chandler Parsons and his knees. And we just never get... In. They didn't, mm-hmm. don't tell us anything. And that is not that is not the player's fault. That is the, the organization putting um, pressure, I think, on the players by not giving... You know, they... they frame it like we don't want to give a time frame to put pressure on them to rent but what they do is they leave it so ambiguous and don't even tell you what's going on that you can't even work out what a time frame would be and and then put out this cryptic bullshit that gets leaked out to reporters that doesn't even correlate with what's going on so i think that's that's part of the problem there but to, to go back to the jar stuff I, I agree with you he's going to be a really good scorer and good assist and that stuff is hyper valuable and i do think that his free throw percentage and his field goal percentage which were bad last year they were they were okay in his rookie season and it can easily go back to that and i think that that ankle injury actually hurt his efficiency down the stretch and that was a problem my issue is with him he's just never going to be a three-point shooter and that's not happening in preseason and he, i don't think he's got a single steal in his first two preseasons games and while steals is the last one did he did i did he get one in that one he got one and two blocks uh, yes, that's right. He did get the two blocks as well. Um, the, the thing with the steals is, and this is why it's such a weird category, is you say, like, if he just makes a small improvement from 0.9 to, to 1.2, and that does seem small on the surface, it is also a 33% increase. But you're talking about such small numbers that things can wildly shift in that category. By, by going to one steal extra per three games, you can have a 33% increase in that, in that category, which is a pretty wild... Um, a pretty wild change. And that's why, you know, when I'm looking at rankings, guys that have super high steals and super high blocks, even if it's a small change, it can cost them 20, 30 spots in overall ranking numbers really, really quickly. And I think that's important uh, to note there. Do you have any input on that Jaron Jackson uh, knee injury stuff? Uh, Yes. um, With John Morant... Sorry, what was what was the? I, I lost track because you said JJJ. I lost track. Oh, I was just asking about when I was talking about his knee injury, how you were saying how he's unreliable. And I said I'm not really sure you put that on him. Like, what what do you think about like my explanation okay. of his knee injury last year? I had a point to make about Jaw, but I forgot it. Uh, so let's go through. I mean, you pretty much nailed JJJ. Uh, we agree, but what team is he playing for? Yeah, that's. But what if, what if Jaw hurts his knee? Then the same shit's gonna happen to him. Or hurts whatever. For sure. It's it's. I mean, anyone anyone who has an injury, like yeah. in this ADP debate, like if what if my guy has an injury and your guy doesn't, you win. Yeah. Anyone can have an injury. I mean, you're only you're only healthy until you're not, right? Um, I think you laid it out really well. I mean, I I have the timeline here that I would just like to run over. You could you you pretty much. You said everything I was going to say. Um, I'll grant you that his rookie season was pretty much cut short uh, because of the quad, a fake quad issue, as they were attempting to get either Zion or John Morant. Mm-hmm. Um, but the past two years, that injury was real. And I am going to quibble with you about the, the timeline. 
okay. on, on that meniscus repair. Yep. Because uh, I, I don't think that eight months, is, maybe it is becoming more normal in today's NBA. Um, but I think like four months for a meniscus repair is enough time. And like you said, the most frustrating aspect of all of this was the smoke and mirrors that Memphis does. And they do this with everyone. And it's fucking infuriating. Um, so he undergoes surgery on August 19th. He doesn't come back uh, of 2020. And he doesn't come back until uh, April 21st of 2021. That's eight months. Yeah, it probably is too. Uh, that's longer than normal. A removal of a meniscus, uh, which is n not what happened, but that can be a, a four to six week uh, absence. People don't typically do that anymore. That's what bad long term uh, consequences. That's what Pozingas had, isn't it? Pozingas did the removal uh, after the bubble. I'm pretty sure. I thought, oh, because maybe well, he, came, he came back right right at the start of the season, and he had it in that August time frame as well. Right. Or, so, okay. or actually, his was in September. He pushed his back even further. So uh, repair is a lot longer, yeah. but I think around four months, six months, he went to eight. Yeah. It That's was true. double the time. And, and again, it's, it's, we have this report come out in January, quote, not that far away. Then literally a couple weeks later, uh, Taylor Jenkins comes out and says, we're not going to put a timetable on it. Uh, mind you, at this point, when they're making these quotes, he's five months removed from surgery. Yeah, so he's already exceeding the timeline of a, of a normal athlete. Then comes February. Still not close. Well, wait, but in January, you said, okay. Uh, and then nothing until March uh, when we get an update <laughs> that he'll be back a few weeks minimum. Love the minimum part of that. And then uh, he would be reevaluated later in the month. Uh, and it's not until March 26th that they tell us he's another month away. And like you said... If they would have just said from the jump, hey, this guy had a, a serious knee procedure. He's not going to be back until April. Cool. We're not drafting him. They yeah. didn't say that. Yeah. They gave us just this little bit of hope with a side of confusion throughout the year. And we didn't have any idea what was going on with him. And take all that aside. Take all that aside. He does have some serious flaws to his game. This man seems to be allergic to rebounds. He's a subpar shooter for a big due to all the three-pointers he takes. He's never averaged 30 minutes per game, and not for a lack of opportunity, but because he loves jumping on every single pump fake. He is a fouling machine. And that is perhaps the most frustrating aspect of his game, because I agree with you that he is a talented player. I would love to see him on the floor for 30 plus minutes a night. I would also love to see him stop jumping on every single pump fake, man. He peaked at 5.9 fouls per 36 last year. Yeah. It's, I don't, it, it's, it, is, it is a problem, Jared. Like he's fouling is a real issue. I'm hopeful that another year of experience can get that under control. But hey, you never know. But we need to, we need to move on because uh, I've got to tell you about Bet Online. Football is back. 
And if you want to place your bets on pro or college football, the number one place to do it is at BetOnline. Maybe you want to place bets on who wins these ADP battles between me and Jared. I'll have to speak to BetOnline to get that up on their site. They've got new props, contests, odds, new updated interface as well, whatever your football action you want to lay. It is over at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code Locked On to activate that bonus from football, basketball, boxing, or even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all of the great offers they have for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline is where the game starts. And then, of course, you want the best tasting protein bar ever? You've got to look to Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. They sent me an email of a new flavor. I think it was a strawberry chunk flavor or something coming out. Strawberry marshmallow. I don't know. It sounded delicious. Regardless of what flavor you want, there's so many different ones there. Orange, strawberry, cookies and cream, mint brownie, salted caramel, plus these bars are also good for you. 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. So head to built.com, load your card up with boxes of built bars, and save 15% by using the promo code LOCKED15. That's L O C K E D 1 5 at built.com. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Jared, we've got a couple more of these to do. And. I know we've got one that you're really looking forward to doing, but let's go to this one instead. We're going to go just a little bit further down the draft board at number 59. OG Ananobi, he might still be there. I don't know if he will be after yesterday's performance um, versus old <laughs> Isaiah Stewart. Now, Ananobi, we saw at the end of last season that they were saying, all right, OG, let's see what you can do. Let's bump this usage up. Let's put the ball in your hands. And he did it, and he did it well, and he kept his efficiency up. And I went, okay, that's really something to monitor. No Kyle Lowry next season. Yep, that's here. Siakam's injured. Let's see if they give the ball to OG again. And they did it. And the efficiency's staying. And he had like, what, four assists and four steals yesterday to go with 22 points. He looked amazing. I think that his value is going to... Now, he is a guy that I am worried about because... Not worried about, though. I worry that there's fluctuation because he is a high steal rate player. And if that drops off due to increased offensive focus, then that can mark up players' rankings. But I think at 59, to me, he's a a no-brainer option. Isaiah Stewart, I'm big on as well. And I talked about this on yesterday's show. He started out the year ranked like 120th on Yahoo. Now he's come all the way into number 51. So I think they've course corrected maybe a little bit, too, a little bit too far in that area. Just provide me why you would take Isaiah over OG here. Uh, fun. <laughs> but let's, let's OG, OG super elaborate fun. here. Let's elaborate here. Uh, small sample size. Asterisk. But... His 14 starts last season, 12.7 points, 9.4 rebounds, 1.1 assists, 0.9 steals, and a whopping 2.1 swats per contest, 56.8 from the field, and 78.6 from the stripe. It's not hurting you anywhere. And he's shown signs that he's capable of stepping out onto the perimeter and even knocking down the three from time to time. That, sir, is fantasy gold. That's top 30. And I'm anticipating... A massive jump for 2020's number 16 overall selection, as he will begin the season in Detroit as the unquestioned starting center. Uh, management oh, ha- literally sent away. Me- hang on a second. Hang on. Before you go any further, what about Luca Gaza? I had, I literally had people. Oh, had, I, I literally had people tell me. Do this. this is I what, thought you were going to say Kelly Olynyk, and then you did this. <laughs> someone someone literally <laughs> said to me, "They go, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't want to invest a pick in Stewart because he might start out the season, but then later on they'll replace him with Olynyk, and then Luca Garza will take over as the season goes on." Well, guys, can we just my brains my brain hurts? I like, lost <laughs> several brain cells during that sentence. 
no, I, he is clearly the unquestioned starter, but I just wanted to throw that in there because it made me laugh and it stuck in my head for a very long time. So go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so they sent they sent Mason Plumley packing uh, specifically to open more minutes and install this man uh, as their starting center. And I think the effort and intensity that he shows on the defensive end will sit well with his old school coach, uh, Dwayne Casey. I am not particularly worried about Kelly Olenek or the, whoever the it is that you just said. Um, J- I'm not worried about either of those guys taking any of his minutes. In fact, I think that they can play together. I think that Kelly Olenek can play alongside Stewart. Oh, Stewart will. is a bit undersized. It's like a fun small ball combo there. Um, Stewart was also picking the brain of the great Ben Wallace during training camp, who as of today will be brought on to serve as an advisor to the team. Uh, And Stewart was picking his brain about how he can be impactful as an undersized center. And I think that getting that sort of tutelage from not arguably the best undersized defensive center to ever play the game, Mr. Ben Wallace. That has to count for something, right? I think it's And Detroit has a lot of depth on the wings, but there is very little up front. It's Luka Gaza. So (laughs) Jesus Christ, Josh. (laughs) I agree. I agree with you, Stuart's gonna be and he was a guy again that when all this process started of getting into fantasy for this season that he was a guy that said look this is I don't know what they're doing over at Yahoo and I think ESPN had him even lower like my guys fix it up like this is bullshit to have him this low I reckon they might be starting to come a little bit too far in but if he does play 32 minutes a night then you know top 50 pretty easily I just think that I actually think OG legitimately has a top 30 opportunity this season I'm not sure Stuart I think Stuart can be really really solid but the fact that he never gets assists, I'm not sure he's ever going to get a high volume of threes or he's going to be a high usage guy. Probably just keeps that ceiling a little bit away from him. But it's not crazy to me to envisage a scenario where at the end of the year, Stewart ranks ahead of Ananobi like it's 40 versus 44 or something like that. that that's not a, a crazy situation for me to think that. And again, how your draft has gone, I think impacts this because Stewart is yes. often... He's often that last center that goes, and then the next one that's off the board is Jakob Pertle, and there's a, there's a drop-off there. So after you have that Klinkapala, Jonas Valanciunas, Miles um, Turner, Yusuf Nurkic, all that run in that 35 to 50 zone, Stewart is often the last guy there. And then after that, you're down to Pertle and Plumley, And so it's a, it's a big drop-off. Whereas in that middle range, you can get wings. You can get, like, they're not Ananobi, but you can get a Norman Powell, or you can get... Um, CJ McCollum in this area that those sort of there are wings and shooting guards small four types available Pascal Siakam falls down because of his injury into this zone as well so that can be a factor in that decision I just think that I think I prefer I think OG's I got massive upside this year I also think he's going to go again based off preseason I think he's going to start getting I think he's going to go in the top 35 in a lot in a lot of drafts and maybe that's probably a little bit too high for me but um I'm very interested to see what ends up happening with him. Are you into Ananobi taking a big step this year? Yeah. I mean, uh, what I saw from him yesterday in that preseason game is not an OG Ananobi that I thought I would ever see. Um, he was running ISOs. He was, was looked comfortable. He was pulling up from three and just banging it in. He was efficient. Uh, so really, the only counter I have here is that like you were saying, um, I would prefer at this point in the draft, if I need a big, if I missed someone else, 
uh, I, I would prefer a big than a wing. But I sure. do think that OG certainly could have a, a, a more fantasy, a, a, a stronger fantasy season as possible. But I think that we really, really need to take into account how quickly centers dry up. Oh, yeah. It's big. So, you know, if you're going, if it's OG or Ingram later, okay, that's, that's, not, that's not a huge drop. If it's if it's Stewart to Pirtle, yeah, yeah. that's like oh man, I messed this up. Last one. This is the one I've been been itching for, and we aren't gonna actually. We, we, I wanted to really get a Gary Trent one in here, but we aren't gonna do that today because this one really intrigued me when I saw your rankings. Now I thought, and people have accused me, Jared, of being biased. There's you know one comment I got. Stop fucking talking about Josh Giddy. He's a bust. Just because you're Australian, you don't need to talk about him. He's not gonna be good. And I went, okay, that's bullshit, but. Am I too high on him? And then I saw your list and I went, all right, here's one for us to talk about. Pick 86 is there. Darius Garland is still on the board somehow because he does fall in some drafts. And and the reason I'm putting him here is because you're down on Garland in comparison. But you're taking Josh Giddy over Darius Garland. Now, I am big on Giddy. And he, again, has been one of those guys that I've been saying, take in the last round. And now you have to probably go to round 12. And I'd be actually okay with looking at him even in round 10 as a pick because... High assists aren't easy to find. And after him, there's not really anybody. So I think he's, you take him in round 10. So I don't actually have too much of an issue with taking Giddy around this 86 spot. I'd probably look at more at 100. He's going to start. He's going to get good minutes. He's going to hurt your percentages. But to me, taking him over Garland, I, I just don't, I don't see it. I think Garland, just quietly, don't tell anyone. I think Garland might be the Cavs' best player. Um, and I'd like to see how it goes this year. But I, I would take Garland every day of the week. As much as I love Giddy and you know, people accuse me of being biased towards him, I'm obviously not as high on him as you are. Why the hell are people even saying anything about arguably the second best basketball league and just dismissing it? Because they, because uh, uh, he's, he's white and can't shoot, I'm guessing, and they never saw him play. Andrew Bogut came from Australia. He was a number one pick. Um, didn't Ben Simmons come out of there? Yeah, but he's trash. Uh, okay. <laughs> Patty Mills. Um, who else? Joe, I mean, Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles. Yeah. What the fuck are we talking? Sorry to like drop that in, but it's just like, what, what are we talking about here? Why are you just discounting a guy from where he came from? That's so stupid, my lord. Okay, so let's get into it. Let me. Um, would you like pro giddy arguments or anti Garland? Um, go with pro giddy. Okay, I trust good franchises. I'm not trying to say that no, I have some in depth knowledge of 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 draft analysis, and I'm sitting there in the war room, and I ooh, they made the wrong. No, I think Sam Presti is an excellent GM. I think he's made a lot of objectively really good decisions during this time there. He drafted three superstars in a row. Um, Is that inclu- OKC- including Terrence Ferguson? <laughs> Jesus Christ. OKC really wanted a point guard in this draft. <laughs> they were sitting freaking Lou Dort to try to get Cade yeah, Cunningham. True. Okay, uh, They were after a point guard. And while they didn't get that number one slot, and perhaps they reached somewhat for Giddy, uh, I don't think it was a mistake oh, because he was clearly the best point guard on the board at that point. He was the number six overall selection. Typically, we have about four rookies, uh, 
four-ish, three to four-ish yep. top 100 rookies, yep. and they're almost always in lot lottery picks. He is a high lottery pick. Um, clearly, uh, uh, and I don't, I'm, I, I don't think that Theo Maladon is going to be a problem for Giddy. He's not. He already started in the first preseason game. Yeah, and he was great. And like, like Cade Cunningham, uh, Giddy is a six foot eight point guard with a great feel for the game. But unlike Cade, this eighteen year old is coming to the NBA with some professional experience under his belt, having played for Australia's NBL, where he led the league in assists, 7.4 a night. And you know how I feel about assists. Now, I acknowledge that he's not much of a scorer, although he did put up 18 in his preseason debut. Uh, Perhaps he's not much of a shooter. Okay, fine. He's a really good point guard. And his defense could use some work. Uh, But I certainly do think that this is a guy who could have a really fun season. Um, I think I'm trusting Sam Presti uh, reached for the right guy here. I think they're going to put him in a place to succeed. And uh, I just really love his potential. Much more than Garland's. I'm big on Giddy. I'm very, very big on Giddy. I just just think that Garland's going to get a lot of assists. I think that he's... And then he adds scoring and three-point shooting on top of that. Giddy's got far better rebounder um, and I'm, I've am i got no problem with if you want to take Giddy at 86 I don't have any problem with it but if I was left between a choice between those two I would take Garland I think Garland's got top 50 upside for this season um, I think he could be a 20 you talk about Jar Morant being 20 and 10 I think Garland could be 20 and 7 or 20 and 8 pretty easily Oof. this year um, he's going to get a lot of minutes he's going to score I think I think he's their best player and we'll see, you're right the, the franchise is weird but I, I do think that he's got some pretty big um Pretty big upside this season. Just quickly, Jared, before we go, some news just came through that uh, Jalen Brown's actually just tested positive for COVID. So we'll see what God that means in terms of how long he is uh, he is out. Um, we don't know that at this point as to, to how long he's going to be up at that. That has just uh, that news has just come through. Not that it would change your decision necessarily on that earlier one, but that that has just uh, that has just come through. So that's a uh, some big NBA news there with uh, with Brown now in uh, in quarantine. Due to testing positive for COVID. Um, I reckon we've been going long enough. I've kept you long enough, Jared. So thank you for coming on and discussing all of these players. Tell everyone where they can uh, they can find you on the old socials. Yeah, uh, marketing myself. You can find me on the internet, I guess. I think it's right here somewhere. Yeah, it's uh, just below your head. Yeah, it's right there. Yep. It's right, right around there. Yep. yep. Go I'm on, on Twitter. Go and follow Figure Jared over there and, uh, and yell at him over there. Jared, yeah. thank you for coming on. <laughs> Pleasure to be here. Thank you, Josh. All right, and that'll do it for today's show. Don't forget to follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app on YouTube. Hit subscribe, hit thumbs up, leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.